before we uh, begin the sermon, a uh, couple things. Here at Solid Rock Church, we understand that you could be elsewhere, but you are here with us this morning. And so what we like to do as a church is that we like to welcome you more personally. Than, but um, if you would just raise your hand just so we can see you and just clap it up for you because we're glad that you're here worshiping with us. Welcome. Thank you. So we have people who had, that had to be forced to raise their hand and all of that stuff. We, normally we don't do that, you know, so hopefully that person came with you if they forced your hand up. But we're glad to have you regardless of how you identified yourself. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, some people raise their hand uh, even though they uh, have come into town because they wanted to participate in, uh, in Carl's memorial. Uh, we just want to have you guys just stand up uh, so we can see who you are if that's not too uncomfortable for you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Sorry for your loss. And um, maybe, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll thank Carl for this Flintstones tie that, um, that I'm wearing this morning. Um, he was renowned for his ties. And um, so I heard reading Benjel's tribute that students would ask him about his ties. And in this church, I know I was one of the people who would ask about his ties as well and what they, what they meant. Um, so uh, I heard something cool. Actually, um, before I left, I heard, overheard Carla. Um, when you have raised five kids, you kind of eavesdrop a lot. Um, so I overheard heard Carla telling someone that he would wear a tie for, for each subject. So he had this tie that was a Star Trek tie. And they said, beam me up, Scotty. And it was for eschatology. How cool is that? <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, I should thank you guys. All of you who helped make yesterday possible. Um, thank you so much for the way you served. Whether you were on the media team or whether you were helping to distribute, you know, give out the food or whether you helped clean up, thank you, thank you, thank you. As we will see in our message, that is part of, um, that is an out, outworking of the supernatural storyline of the Bible. So we have been going through as a church um, a series on the supernatural storyline of the Bible, the, the behind the scenes, what's going on in eternity. For some people, um, I mean, it's kind of strange to, to, to see things that are going on behind the scenes. And I just wanted to, um, I'm not, because I'm not going to, there's no way that I can give you a, a, a solid recap without it taking up the whole message. Um, so I'll say this, I'll, I'll, I'll let God's word um, speak for itself. I hope this will help, um, help us not to be too distracted by the supernatural storyline, even though we are living part of it. And that's what we're going to uh, focus on today, but 1 Corinthians 8, verses 4 through 6, which the context of this passage is um, talking about whether or not Christians should eat food um, uh, from meat sacrificed to idols. So if something's left over from something that was sacrificed to an idol, like, should I eat that? So I already know what I would feel about that. I probably would be like, no, nah, I'm not eating that, eating that. Right, but listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter eight, verses four through six say this. Therefore, as to 
the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. That's what we know. That's what we know. But look at what he says in verse 5. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven and or on earth, then he says, as indeed there are many gods, lowercase g, and many lords, lowercase l, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So there are, there may be gods that people have worshipped, and they may have gotten some of the things that they want from their God. But in an ultimate sense, there is no such thing as a God, capital G, except one. And so regardless of the behind the scenes and what supernatural beings can do, this passage lets me know that if I'm rolling with the capital G God, like I don't have to worry about the lowercase. I don't have to worry about the lowercase. So don't be freaked out. Even back then there were, he says, indeed, there are many lowercase g gods and many lowercase l lords. Yet for us there's one God and for us there's one Lord. Just keep that in your mind. Um, I'm going to pray right now, then I'm going to just uh, remind you of five things, the five things that we should, um, the five ways we should um, out, work out the reality that we're living in the supernatural storyline. I'll remind you of those, and then we'll look at what we're going to focus on today. So, Father, thank you so much for this day which you have made. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the Lord who is capital L, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Thank you for opening our eyes to see some of who he is. Thank you for opening our ears to hear the message of the gospel and to respond and to receive the good news as our own. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Spirit, for drawing us. Thank you, Father, for the church through whom you make your manifold wisdom known. Father, I pray that you would please increase and that I would decrease. I pray that you would protect from any error, Lord, spoken by me. I pray that you would bless your people as only you can. Only you know how to bless as many people that are here in a way that is specific to who they are, what they're going through, and what they need. So, Father, we ask you to do that, and we do pray that this message would help in some way to move people further along in their relationship with you through Jesus Christ. In his name, Jesus' name, we pray and we thank you. Amen. All right, so there were five ways in which the living in the supernatural storyline should play out in our lives. And let me just take a... And those five ways were that it should help us to have a godly, holy curiosity um, and eagerness to know and to learn and inquisitiveness about God's word. Uh, it should make us Bereans to see what God's word says. It should sober us so that we're not intoxicated by this world which will lull us to sleep and, and cause us to forget that there is a supernatural storyline being played out and that there is an enemy that is looking to see who he can devour. 
Uh, hopefully this supernatural storyline of the Bible that we're living within helps us to pursue maturity, that we are making sure that we do not re just remain babes in Christ, but that we grow, uh, that we complete our natural growth and development. It should also help us to be durable. It should spark some durability because we're going to have to go through some things if we are going to make it to the end. We're going to have to persevere. And lastly, it should lead us to doxology, which is um, the definition of that is a hymn or form of words. So it could be a poem. It could just be words that are spoken of, of ascribing praise to God. So doxology ascribes praise to God. That's what it does. So that's how the living in the supernatural storyline should affect us as individuals, but we are not just living as individuals. Most of, many of us here are members of Solid Rock Church. So there's a corporate effect that living in the supernatural storyline should have upon us as a people. And so we're gonna look at those two things that I have in my mind, surely there are more. Um, as I say often, I'm just, a, I'm not called, Carl yesterday, I heard from Carl's brother that Carl could actually multitask. I've read that you can't really do that, but what Carl's brother, Ken, is your name Ken? John, okay. His, Carl's brother's name is not Ken. It's John. All right. So what John, three left. But what, what John said was that Carl could do this. He could be studying something, watching a, a baseball game, and listening to his mom, and his mom as most parents would do when you're not looking at them when you talk, to, when, you're, when you're not looking at them and they're talking to you, are you listening to me? And he would repeat back what she said. If John would ask, hey, what's, the, what's, the, what's going on in this game? He could tell you the pitch count, whether it's two, two balls and two strikes, and he would still be digesting a book that he said, that John said, that he would read the entirety of during the baseball game. Now, I know baseball is long, but that's still impressive. Right? It's still impressive. But the two things that, that I, so I, I say that all I like to say, I'm just normal, I'm not called. So I have two things. There may be more than two things, but here are the two things we're gonna focus on with us. There are corporately, the effect that the supernatural storyline has upon us is that we are commissioned and we are part of a community. So we are commissioned and we are part of a community. Now, to be commissioned is to, is to act, is the act of, com, of committing or, if someone commissions you, rather, they are committing or entrusting a person or group with super, supervisory power or authority. So they're deputizing them to do something on their behalf. Now, God, if you pay attention to how God works, he's a sending God. He's a God who sends. So he creates the garden and he places Adam there and then he gives him a mandate, right? He tells him what to do. He's sending him to, um, to have dominion. He's sending him to subdue things. He's sending him to do that. He sent Abraham, right, from where he was to a, a, a land that he did not know. He sent Moses from where he had gone from Egypt back to Egypt. God is a sending God. He sends the prophets he sends the apostles. He sends the church. What's interesting is there's debate. It's, this, this is the thing about the supernatural storyline as well. It is when we have our theological convictions, 
one of the things that, that can be scary about something like the supernatural storyline of the Bible is that sometimes you have to reevaluate. And for some people, reevaluating is not easy. And for some people, it's actually scary. And I, I understand that. But I think we always have to have the commitment that even our theology is subject to God's word. Because ology is, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking, right? It's our thoughts, our conclusions, right? But God doesn't tell us everything there is to know about him. He tells us everything we need to know about him, right? So you may not need to know everything. We don't need to know everything about God, but he does tell us what we need to know about him. So he doesn't fill in all of the blanks. As mentioned during the, uh, during the answering a question last week, we have to be comfortable with some level, some measure of mystery, right? Because if we could figure God out, then he was just one of us, right? And so, if, if, so, so we, can't, we can't do that. So I understand, you know, being, being afraid. But in, 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 in a commitment to have a proper ecclesiology, some people would say that only the 12 that walked with Jesus are sent. And I would just like to, I, I, I don't know, if, I don't think they're here, but just in case you hear that, I would like to show you why I don't think that's the case. We all are very familiar with the Great Commission. That's in Matthew 28. Um, most people begin it in verse 19, but I begin it in verse 16, and I'll read. Reading from the ESV, now the 11 disciples went and I'm sorry I said 12, but the 11 are the ones that people say are sent, not the 12 because Judas isn't sent. But um, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, excuse me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus tells his disciples that they are supposed to go, um, that they are supposed to be um, going and making disciples of, of all nations. So the, the command, some would say, is just to those 11 who were there. And, and that would be something that maybe if the, um, if the sentence stopped at, um, at nations, then maybe I would, be, would agree with you. But then it tells them to baptize, um, and then it tells them to teach. Teach them all that I have commanded you. So if they're teaching all that Jesus commanded them to do, why are they teaching other people what Jesus told them to do? Well, surely he's telling them to teach others what he's taught them so that others would do what they did. He's not teaching them just so they just know that they, uh, this is what they did. No, they're, they're teaching others so that we know what Jesus wants us to do as well. So in this, so we're not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're all apostles. I'm not saying that at, at all. 
But I'm saying we all are supposed to be about the business of making disciples. We all are commissioned to go and, and just let people know who our God is. See that doxology that we ended with, you know, the five things, the doxology is, is worship, right? And worship, it, um, John Piper said, said this somewhere. Let me say it this way. I heard that John Piper said this, and I like it regardless of who said it. Evangelism exists because worship does it. So wherever worship doesn't exist, people need to take that doxology, which is ascribing praise to God, and letting people know about God who made them. Yesterday in talking with volunteers who, I don't know if they know Jesus or not, they were there to distribute food. And I just let them know that if you get any pleasure out of this, you were made to do good works. So you may not know Jesus, but like there's something in you that because you're made in God's image that you're, you're going to enjoy what you're doing. And you, you may not know about that, but I told them that it was because of Jesus. I told them that. Right? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't necessarily trying to evangelize them, but when I reflected on it, then I started praying like, Lord, please use that. Right? Please, please use that. What was I doing? Well, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't even trying to evangelize them. I was just trying to be like, hey, we get to do this. The Lord has made this. And like, regardless of you, since you have to listen to me, then this is what I'm saying right now. But I think doxology, worship of God, naturally leads to telling other people about God, whether you intend to or not. Whether that was, if you say, if somebody says to you, um, Hey, how's it going? And you can say, hey, it's, it's going well. That's one way to respond, and that may be accurate, and that's, that's cool. But one way that some people, I'd be one of those people, I don't do this all the time, but sometimes I do this. Hey, how you doing? I just say, by the grace of God, I'm doing well. Because I want you to know, like, okay, I'm not just doing well. Like, there's all kind. I could, my life could be, the worst that it's ever been, but it's not. And I understand that that's by God's grace. So I'm going to give him credit, whether you give him credit or not. Again, I don't do that all the time. I do that quite frequently, but not, not all the time. Um, so that, that's just a, 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 dem a demonstration of how doxology, even though it's not formalized, it's just spontaneous, it can give credit to God. Now, that's not exactly evangelism. But as we'll see later, there is something to be said about a process. Because most of us in here probably did not become believers the very first time we heard the gospel. Most of us probably had to hear a few times. Probably had to hear a little bit of this. A little, we had some things to digest before we came to a decision that, you know what? I do believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for me, and that God rose him from the dead. I, I believe that, and I want to live for him. Most of us didn't just... We weren't like the, the, the Philippian jailer. Oh, yeah. What must I do to be saved immediately? Right? It took a little time. So all of us, I believe we all are sent. Even in Ephesians, which I, I just prayed, I think it's Ephesians 3, round about the uh, seventh, eighth verse. It talks about how the church is, is, is the vehicle through which God makes his, his wisdom known. Right? The church. Not... And we know that we make up the church, but it also church is like sheep, right? It's, it's a word that 
Yes, surely it's, it could be talking about you because you're the church, but it's talking about the group as a church, not the individual that's part of the church. Here's more to, to the logic in terms of all of us being, being sent. In Romans chapter 10, it, just, it gives us some of the insight into some of the mechanics. Um, so he starts off in verse 13, uh, Paul says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he asks a question. So, so how then can they call on him in, in whom they have, never, who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So someone is not just going to be saved without hearing about the name of Jesus some kind of way. He, go, he finishes verse uh, 14, and we'll stop there, but he finishes verse 13, and he says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching to, to them? So, so, so if preaching stopped, which obviously it hasn't because I'm standing here and I'm a long ways from whenever the last apostle died, but if preaching stopped then, then we wouldn't believe in Jesus because we would not have heard of him. So the church takes the message of Jesus to wherever it is. As a matter of fact, we have evidence of this in the book of Acts when they're all concentrated in Jerusalem, right? And then the persecution breaks out and then they, they, they scatter to various places and they take the word with them, right? And even as some people who are identified as taking the word, some of them are just called some brothers from this place, right? So it's not that only the 11 is supposed to make disciples. It is we all are called to make disciples. Why? Because God is, is advancing his kingdom. He's making himself known. I like to say this and I'll keep saying it uh, until I figure out some other way to, to, to describe it. But right now we live, regardless of how bad it is right now, we live in the age of reconciliation. God is reconciling people to himself through his church, preaching the word of God and making, and making Jesus Christ known to others. That's what God is doing through the church. There will come a time where it will be the time of retribution, where people will receive what they have earned. And none of us wants to receive what we have earned. We do want to receive what was earned for us through Christ, though. We're all called to make disciples. So a disciple, what is a disciple? A disciple is a pupil or an adherent to the doctrines of another, a follower. That's the general definition. Then they went to like the religious definition, right? Um, so a disciple to them, dictionary.com, was one of the 12 personal followers of Christ. Then it said, oh, well, one of the 70 followers sent forth by Christ in Luke 10.1. Then it stops and it just says, follower of Christ. So, so we're all supposed to participate in following Christ, which means to make God known, to make Christ known. We're just as much disciples as the 12, just as much disciples as the 70, and therefore just as responsible to share who Christ is with others. And the outworking of that, 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 that uh, proclaiming the word and proclaiming the gospel is that some believe. And when some believe, they make it known, not only by, by submitting to Christ, but one of the ways they submit to Christ is that they're baptized, right? And they're baptized because they go down as if they died and then they 
come back up as if raised to life again, right? That's a visual illustration of, again, what? A supernatural storyline. Something, something that happened that you cannot see. If someone is sitting here right now and decided, you know what? I want, I'm, I want to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm going to live for him. I believe he's the son of God. You may not even articulate it, you know, textbook, but God knows what you mean, and he'll help you. Now, he doesn't know what you mean all the time, so there is some way in which you, you need to, that's why you got to be part of a church, which we'll get to later, so that we can make sure we're not like the woman at the well, who Jesus said, you know what, you Samaritans, you worship, but you don't even know what you're worshiping, right? Um, we do need to be accurate. But if you're sitting there, but my point is this, I cannot see when you start having faith in Christ. Nobody saw when I started having, oh yeah, Mike, that happened right, nope. I don't even know if I knew, truth be told. We, we don't know. But the baptism shows us what's happened. And anyone who's come to faith in Christ ought to be baptized because he tells them, he tells us, tells them and us, uh, by telling them that disciples ought to be made, they're to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and they're to be taught to observe all that I have commanded you. So they're supposed to be taught. We'll pause on taught and speak about that at the community part. But I just want you to feel the emphasis of our privileged responsibility as commissioned individuals and as a commissioned body. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. I want to pause there. Do you see yourself as one through whom God actually makes appeals to others to come to know him. Because if we say, well, that was just for Paul or just for the Corinthians, then the message has to stop back with them. But if it doesn't stop with them, if we're supposed to do this until the Lord returns, then we all have this ministry of reconciliation and we all are to make appeals to people on behalf of God himself. Now, this doesn't have to look like, it can look like, but it doesn't have to look like street preaching. It doesn't have to look, it doesn't have to look like preaching like I'm doing right now. It doesn't have to look like proclaiming before an audience. It doesn't have to look like that. And that's what I so appreciated um, about Carl Sanders, is that whether it was from a stage with many people looking, or whether it was just in a relationship with a person that he just met that he was going to be about letting you know about Christ. And he was going to try to, he was going to find a way that was relatable to you to help you process some of the things that may be difficult for you to process. 
So I learned yesterday, I didn't know this, but I learned that Carl, in order to like help people digest, people from China digest like American culture, he would take, a, 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 I'll call it a sitcom, it wasn't always comedy, but he'd take a TV show from a certain decade to show you what the values in America was like. So I don't remember all of the uh, shows, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer was one of them. I remember that because my wife likes, likes Buffy as well. Um, I Love Lucy was another one. Um, and then there were others. Gilmore Girls, Seinfeld. So, so, so those, those, those are some of the shows that he would not only take and show you American culture, but then he would shift it so that you would hear something about the Lord as well. That is a unique skill. I said skill. Skill, pay attention to that word. Because skill is not necessarily a gift. It's something you learn and you hone. Right? So he took time to process, like, how can I get people to understand? Maybe if I took something from television that portrayed values and then spoke to those values in a way in which people can understand, but also intertwine something about the Lord, then maybe they will understand. And so I wanted to ask Carla to send me something because I want you to, I want you to hear, you may not have been here yesterday, and I want you to hear how this works. Now, this is pretty long, so, or at least it looks long. It didn't sound long when Carla read it to me, and I've heard it. She read it to me by myself before with Karen, I think, at her house. And then she read it again yesterday. So this is from one of the uh, Chinese students um, that, uh, that the Sanders has impacted. Um, and she knew that Carl was on his way into eternity. So this is what she wrote. My dear Carl, oh, I'm sorry. So it's, I'm going to read it the way it's stated. So it's not going to sound like one of us, like somebody whose first language is English. So, I wish I can be more strong to tell you in person for the following words, but I will lose my emotion control, and I did twice, you know. So she had tried to talk to him twice and just couldn't get through it. Probably in our Chinese cultural, we don't have similar experience in saying goodbye to our loved people. We usually think we do, do it in mind. He knows anyway and never speak it out. So it's very hard for me. Please understand that. I chose to tell you some words in this way. We knew each other because of Lord arrangement, I believe. Leo and me had ESL class in the Wallace Church. And church arranged us to your home to having Thanksgiving days in 2013. 10 years passed, time flies. That our first met and we had a warmly dinner in your home. I still remember the moment you were cutting the toast turkey using your electric knife. The sun shined shedding and shining through your silver hair. Okay, maybe beard also. Your smile, making us feel be home. We'd like to hear more about the story of Jesus and also Christine, I think she means Christian, life from you. 
Because of that, you start to give the Bible class. You always tell it in very simple way. We can easy understand. You never lose patience and showing a lot understandable. Since that, we feel not a visitor, not a tourist during our overseas stay. We feel having caring friends, have caring friends even in a strange country. To us, the USA is not a foreign place and others homeland anymore, which and another home for us. You understand our, <laughs> you understand our many strange questions since you knew we know nothing and are curious. I am so deeply affected by those words and understanding about the God kingdom, how God want us be, what we should do, which totally changed me inside out. Me and Leo were greatly touched and affected by how kind you and Carla are, how selfless you're which you are, which showing us the, the work did by Lori. And you always said no need to say thank you, just did the same to others, spreading those love out. We did that and felt more worth to this, to this world and people, and we stay more confident and know what is right and what is wrong. Not only judged by society policy, we indeed had spiritual growth. Love your neighbor is an important thing we learned in the Solid Rock Church, accompanying you and Carla to there in some Sundays. And then go back to your home having lunch together. We love those days. We stay close to each other like a family. And I really want to appreciate you for every Bible class and every Saturday evening study time, study together time, you prepared a lot for us and did so many works to help us understand more and learn better. Especially we learn from you and know the right attitude towards the hard moment and difficulty and how patient you are, how confident you are, how faithful you are. Dear Carl, we may goodbye for a while. Please, please know me and Leo. Please know me and Leo love you and miss you. And we will reunite in another kingdom. We will pray for you always. Yours, Sophia and Leo. Grew up in an atheist country. Came here for studies and God has something more for them. People can come into our lives in ways that seem casual, but an awareness of the supernatural storyline, that God may have brought this person into your path so that you can tell them about him. And not just tell them, because you heard all of the things that were going on, right? So his attitude, his making his home available, his um, them being over for Thanksgiving. So already this is like a bunch of things like we could, anybody can incorporate, right? We can invite people to our homes for special holidays, right? We can do that. We can invite people to uh, lunch if they come to, to church 
and explain some things. We can invite them to church so that they can hear some of what's going on. Now, I may not really, this is just me, I might not invite somebody who's unlearned in the supernatural storyline of the Bible series. That's just me. Um, that's like a lot for, for them to digest. Um, but maybe if Pastor Kurt would go to lunch with us, maybe I would, um, so that they could ask him all the questions that they may have. But the point is, we should be looking for opportunities to just create bridges for people to hear about Christ. And, and, and that we're the ones who can do that, right? We're, and, 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 and you know what? We may not have as much knowledge as Carl, but see, that's one of the reasons why we're in a church, right? Somebody probably has the answer or knows where to find the answer, right? So I don't have all the answers, but I know some good places to look for, for, for certain answers, okay? Um, same, same with Kurt. Same with probably maybe the person sitting next to you or someone in your, in your core group or your D group or whatever group you're in, um, one of your friends. Um, but we should be about the business of making Christ known and not just not just through our words, but with our actions as well. Because it seems like this, this lady, Sophia, was impacted by Carl's demeanor, by his patience, by his hospitality. We, we can, you can do that, right? You don't need a PhD to do that. You can do that. All you, but what you do need is a heart that's open to people. And I think a heart that's open to people starts with knowing that God's heart was open to you, that he would send Jesus Christ to die for your sins. Nobody knows your sins like you. So, so, so if you if you like me from time to time, just reflect on where I could be and where I should be if it weren't for Christ, then I'm trying to tell people about him and I'm trying to be patient with people because I know he was patient with me. The forgiveness I received, I want others to receive and I want to try to represent him well. And I know you do as well. So those are just some things. Just, just let's learn from our brother Carl. Uh, let's be ambassadors. That's the one thing that, um, that it goes on to say, um, that it says before that God makes his appeal to us that we are his ambassadors. Um, so let's make sure that we represent him well to a world that doesn't know him, but we see, we see over and over and over again that people need Jesus, right? People need Christ. This world needs Christ. And if it weren't obvious now, during this time, we know that they will need him in the next phase of things in eternity. So we're commissioned. The supernatural storyline puts us in the midst of a battle that's taking place that we don't always see. But the way God's kingdom advances, it, it advances one heart at a time. One hearing of the word, right? Um, uh, um, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hearing, people have to talk, people have to engage, right? But people's hearts change when they hear. So I would say this as well, please try not to be weary in well-doing. There are angles to this. So some people may have heard a lot, but still don't live for Jesus. Maybe those are the people who need to see our good works, experience our patience. Maybe they need to be allowed to ask questions, some of those questions may not even get to be answered. Like there's some questions that cannot be answered because of the mystery we mentioned earlier, and that's fine. Let's entrust God with people. And we will not entrust God to, entrust people to God more than we pray for people to God. So please make sure that in your actions that you're praying as well for God to do something that you just can't do. And then 
Do what you can do and watch God work. We're all commissioned. We're all commissioned. We're all commissioned. We also are part of a community. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Verse 17 says, and he came, speaking of Jesus, and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So he's talking about Jews and Gentiles here, right? So those who are far, far off are the Ephesians because they're not Jews. And he preached peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God of the household of God. Just stop right there. Just, just pause right there. I do have two more verses to read there. But, but, but look at, look at what's, what's happened. That instead of now, instead of being whatever ethnicity you are, no, now you are a fellow citizen um, with the saints. Now you are a member of God's household. You're part of the family of God. And look, it's, it, it's not new, but it's just expanded. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, look, look, we're, so even though we're individuals, we're, we're described as a unit, right? So, so we're citizens of, with the saints, so that gives you the imagery of a country, right? Um, and then we're members of the household, that gives you the imagery of a family, and then we're, we're, we're joined together, um, it's, it talks about the whole structure being joined together, and grows into a holy temple. In him you also are being built together in a, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So if we're talking about these types of things, he's, he's, when we see this imagery that we're being built together, it's, it's, you can't be built together and be separate at the same time. Meaning like it's hard to be built together if we're sporadic sporadically like just just all over the place so if if i'm in landover and you're in riverdale we're, we're not together we're, we're apart we might believe the same things we might think in some similar ways but but we're not together um the being built together the growing and then being joined together There's something to be said for physically being together. Because these, there are some things that can't. I have a brother who lives in, in Arizona. We grew up together. <laughs> but we're not together in the same way as we once were when we both lived in my mom's house. Right? When, when I remember when my, my great-grandma passed. That was the first death I experienced that hurt. And I guess I gotten home before him, and he opened the door, and I was crying. And he was like, man, why are you crying? And I couldn't even, like, get the words out, right? Um, so just think of, like, if you have a grandparent that used to spoil you, just think of that, like, five times over. That was my great-grandmother to us, so it hurt. So I couldn't get the words out. And so then he went to my mother, and he asked her, like, why is he crying? And then she told him. Then he started crying too. 
that shared experience was, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is funny when I'm, when I'm saying this, but it's funny. Um, that was one of the few bonding experiences we had as, as brothers. I mean, we had others that weren't. Well, that was the most tender one. That one was the most tender one. We just sat on, the, on our beds, looked at each other, and just kept crying. You know, so. Um, moments like that bond you together. Moments like knowing that someone's going through a trial, someone's having surgery, someone lost their, their, their loved one, those kinds of things build us together. Those are things that you won't know. You can miss. An email might come out, but I do read all of my emails. I can't address them all, though, sometimes. It's hard to keep up with email. So you might get something in email and think you know what it's about and then not even read it all, or you may just not read it and then something else comes out from the church so you read that right so you there are things you can miss by not being together there there are ways i can pray for you or questions i can ask you from seeing you i can see the look on your face you can see the look on mine and ask me a question you can see me walking funny you can see anything and just say oh i should ask mike about that that's the way we should be with one another why 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 because even though those things that I just described, they, they're just natural things, okay? Sometimes people look down, okay? Sometimes after I dunked on somebody, which I've never done, but sometimes, you know, I might, I might limp or something. We might see things that we wouldn't see if we weren't together. The opportunity to bond together, to be built together in the way that the church in Ephesus was being built together and the way that Scripture anticipates can't happen virtually. It can't. There are things you can know. There are ways to work around that if necessary, surely. So like if, if, you're, if you're watching us virtually and you're home taking care of somebody who needs help, don't feel bad about this. This is not meant to correct you. There are ways to work around that. You can text people. You can call people. You can let people know, oh, you know what, I'm taking care of my mom or my dad or whatever. You know, you can let them know and they, their prayer can take place and there could even be some relief, who knows. But when we're not together, when we're isolated, then it's hard to see those things. It's hard to respond to those. It's, it's hard to respond to those. Scripture gives us the impression that we are a community on many levels. We're fellow citizens. We're, house, we're part of the household of God. We are, we are a, a structure being built together. And we are not only just a structure being built together because you know what? Uh, the police is a structure being built together in some ways too, right? Other, other categories are places where there's camaraderie, shared vision, and all of that, right? But, but it ends, what I read in, in verse 22, it says, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So God's Spirit is uniquely in the church as it is no other place. Now, bad things have happened in churches. So I'm not saying every church is perfect. I'm not saying that. Not at all. But I am saying that according to Scripture, that the church is where God's uh, is being built together by God, for God, by the Spirit. So we, we're being built together for God to be used by him, by the Spirit. Lastly, on community, um, Ephesians chapter 4 is just um, one that I, I, this is one of my favorite passages 
when it just gives a picture of what life in church should be like. So beginning in verse 11, it talks about the gifts, the ministry gifts that, that Jesus gave. Verse 11 says this, and he gave some, I'm excuse me, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who's equipped for the work of ministry? I was just saying, it was, all right, we got three people who are still awake. All right, or, or, or bold enough to say something, so I'll put it that way. Um, so the saints are equipped for, for the work of ministry. And then it says, for building up the body of Christ. So we know that here and in 1 Corinthians 12, the, the, the church, people of God, are likened to the body, right, to the body of Christ. And this happens for how long? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How many? How many are to attain this? All. So if there's any immaturity, we still have work to do, right? Any. That's not to look down on anyone who's immature. I mean, I think anybody who thinks they're immature should have a heart that wants to help those who seem immature. Because then that would really be a mark of maturity. That you're not like belittling someone because we all start somewhere, right? And we grow from there. But we grow from there as people are doing the work of ministry, not just the pastors, but people. Um, and so then it, all, it goes on to talk about in, four, in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about with, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom, there's that imagery of the body again, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. How many parts? Each part, every part. So, so we're, we're here to receive, right? We're here to make sure that we're not like tossed by the waves. We're also here to, to, to make sure that we don't believe every wind of doctrine, that we understand like what scripture is saying, what is, the, what is the main thrust of scripture that we understand that. But we're also here, don't, mind you, that's not the only reason we're here. Because the way that this happens, the way that this works is that each part has to be working properly. So if a part is missing, it can't work properly. So it's not just about protecting yourself. It's about your contribution as well. It's not about like what you need only. It's about like what others need as well. Because it's about the kingdom advancing. Right? It's not about like what I want. Right? I mean, I, I remember when I came to this church. I went to a small little black church in southeast D.C. So that's just giving you, when I say black, it's just culturally black. And visibly black as well. <laughs> but when we, but when we, when we, when we left the church, so I was married at that time, so when we left the church, I was like, 
oh man, I had a list. Our little church didn't have like a, a rocking choir. So I was like, man, I want a choir, man. A choir that's gonna blow, blow. I wanna, when, I, when I finish singing, I wanna feel like I'm in heaven. So I wanted that. I wanted a person that preached like, and God said, uh, when we get, I wanted, I wanted to be in a church like that, that had, that preached like that, and it has like the knowledge to go with it, not just the, not just the style, but to, like some substance as well. It's like, okay, this is my, I'm gonna look for that type of church. And uh, I know I had more on my list, but those are the two that remain now. I've been here for about 30 years, so. Uh, <laughs> so, so I remember walking into this church. And at the time, this church was just basically Anglo, which eliminates the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. From my experience and observation, there are not a lot of choirs that sing like I was singing that have mostly Anglos. So I was like, dang. And then when they preached, they were just like talking to you. And I was like, man. However, they were talking truth to you. And even though they didn't have a rocking choir, everybody who was up here at the time singing seemed like they were singing directly to God, even though they were singing with us. I like that right there. Then I saw some kids around about nah, early, mid-teens. They were like worshiping the Lord. Man, like, Lord, I like that. I think at that time we probably had three children, three out of the five. So I'm like, man, I, I want them to see that. Then they had like, like families appeared to love each other. That's what it looked like. Okay. I can't speak for all of them. But I'm like, hey, I like that example right there. I like that. You know what? I think I can mess with y'all. I think, I, can, I think I'll come back next week. Then people greeted us. <laughs> I'm sorry. They greeted us like we were the few black people in the only Anglo setting. <laughs> but I didn't care, because they greeted us. Uh, who cares, man? You're being, you're being friendly to me. They invited, some, we kept coming, people invited us to lunch and stuff like that, they invited us to their house for lunch, and it's like, man, that would ever happen in a black church, man, don't nobody invite <laughs> In my experience, oh yeah, in my experience, I got the mic right now, in my experience, no, no. So, in my experience, that, that's not what was happening. It was like, all right, sister, 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 sister see, you, see you next week, you know. It's like, all right, man, that's, that's how it was, you know. So I come here and it's like, it becomes clear that it's God's plan that it's not about my preferences. It was about my health. It, it, it was about like staying married to my wife, trying to be a good dad, trying to grow in the Lord and not be shaped by just cultural things. Not that my, my old church wasn't really, wasn't about like no, you know, it wasn't like, Jesse Jackson Jr. or nothing like that, you know what I'm saying? They, were, they weren't on the civil rights or anything. They were about the word, but our time there had come, come to an end. And what I thought I wanted, it might have been what I wanted, but it wasn't what I needed. And God always knows what we need. 
And so he uniquely puts people in a church so that not only so they can grow, but so that they can give as well. And so it's important to be part, understand that we're part of a community, that the behind the scenes, yes, the supernatural storyline looks the way it looks, and I understand. You know, there's, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> see, when I was coming up, I was kind of wild. You know how it's wild in this way? Um, when it came to like things that might scare other people. Stuff would scare me, but it's like, okay, if, I figured if something wanted to harm me, and I heard it in another room, like it didn't really need to want to harm me because it didn't come into the room I was in. So I'm not going to go to the room where the noise coming from that I don't understand and open the door and say, hey, how's it going in here? When nobody else is home with me, I'm just going to be like, okay, I don't know what that is. I had this bat right here beside me, but, but I'm not going to open the door. For some of us, the supernatural storyline in the Bible is like that. It opened the door. You didn't open it, but someone else opened it for you, and it's like, whoa. That's okay, don't even worry about that. If you've been a believer for a while, you've been doing fine. It doesn't change anything, right? It doesn't change anything. Except for your, your knowledge base, right? And, and understanding like, okay, well that noise that I heard, it was the cat. Okay, that's, okay, that's what it was when I went, when I finally like, when my parents came home and I finally opened the door, it's like, oh, it was the cat. Don't get freaked out. Don't, don't deconstruct your faith to the point where it's like, I don't know anything. No, you do know something. If you know Jesus Christ is Lord, you know something that flesh and blood can't reveal to you. You can minimize that if you want, but that's not something everyone believes. Even people who have grown up in a church, it takes the spirit of God to recognize Jesus for who he is. It takes the spirit of God to not just relegate him to some cool, insightful uh, teacher, ancient teacher. To see him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that's Holy Spirit work right there. And when we, when we hear that and we embrace that, then we're catapulted into God's family. But just like when new family members are catapulted into ours, unless it's by marriage, if it's by birth, they're a little, they're small. They need help. They need to grow. They need to eat right. They need, these are things that believers need as well. And then when we grow to a point of maturity, and even before we grow to full maturity, we should be doing our part to encourage one another daily Hebrews says, Hebrews 10 says, and all the more as we see the day approaching. We're supposed to encourage each other in love and good works. That's, you cannot do that if you're not around each other. If you're not some kind of way checking in on each other. Again, you're not going to be around each other. We're not around each other 24-7, right? However, we are around each other enough that some of the things I described earlier can happen. And, but when we're not Let's use the means that we have to make sure we continue to be encouraging to one another. Let's text each other. Let's make sure we're praying for each other. Let's, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to, trying to be weird right now or creepy, but, you know, if you see somebody post something on Facebook that's, like, kind of wild, it's all right to check in on them. 
It's all right to say, hey, bro, you okay? You all right? Everything all right? That, that, that's fine. That's fine. Do, do that. Because you know what? You do not want to be in a position where you thought something, you didn't say something, and then whatever it is comes to full maturity, and that person's not walking with the Lord anymore. That person's not on this earth anymore. Something that's just, just ultimate, right? The right words at the right time, even the question, can have so much impact that it's just incredible. For me, I'd rather be timely than amazing. The right question at the right time, the right encouragement at the right time helps people to grow exponentially or puts people on the path. And we don't control where people are. Let's just think of everything this way. Let's say the, the roof, our dome, is God for this illustration. Our dome is not God. But let's just say, like, that's what we're pretending. We're playing pretend right now, right? And he's super into, and, and this, this building is like someone's life. He's superintending from one end of the dome to the other all the time. You don't see him. You can't see him, but he's superintending whether or not they meet LaShawn, whether or not they, they, they whether or not they're meeting, um, whether or not they meet um, uh, Sherry or whether or not they meet me or something. He superintends that. He puts people in people's paths. Not just to proclaim the gospel, but even in the church. And he puts them there for a reason and for effect. Do you think of yourself like that? Do you think of yourself that God may have put me in this person's path to encourage them today, to pray for them today, to just be nice to them today, to just make them feel better today? Because if we don't think like that, then we probably will act like we don't think like that. But if we, are, if we do think that way, then we'd be more apt to behave in that way, and we will probably see that we recognize so many more opportunities to have impact in people's lives, not just the world whose need may be very obvious, but in the church where sometimes the needs aren't obvious. But a quick how you doing can turn into like a 40-minute conversation with some prayer and follow-up, right? So let's make sure that we remember, like, yes, there's a supernatural storyline, but that supernatural storyline, it plays out in regular life for us. Hopefully it leads us to, to, to have, you know, a curiosity, a sobriety, a maturity, a durability, a doxology, and hopefully it reminds us that we are, have been given a commission and we've been given a community. A community to be a part of, to receive, and a community to be a part of, to give. And so the question is, what does our life look like in conjunction with the, that commission in that community? Am I active in the community? Am I active with the commission? That's a question that you have to bring before the Lord. Because, see, he fulfilled what he was committed to do. Right? Jesus Christ was sent. I didn't mention him earlier, but he was sent by God on the mission, right? He, he mentioned what it was, he would allude to it all the time. Um, and he would talk about the, when he was in the garden, the cup that God had given him. He knew that, that that was what he was supposed to do. So he's like, if it's possible, but he knows it's not possible. So let, yet, let your will be done and not mine, right? So obviously we're not on that level. We're not Christ, but we are disciples. So we follow him and we do make him known to as many people as possible. And sometimes even believers need to be reminded that God is still on the throne. 
That's what be part of what we need to remember. So let us participate in our community wholeheartedly. Let us get to know each other well enough to be able to pray for each other um, in, in ways that are more than just like one sentence. Um, and, and, and may we care about the world because once we were part of the world, once we were on our way to hell, but someone preached the gospel to us and eventually we embraced it. And look at us now. We're part of God's household. We're being built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's all of him. So hopefully we hear how we can live corporately or missionally in light of the supernatural storyline of the Bible because it has to play out functionally for us or else there would be no reason for us to be here. And even though we don't know when it ends, we do know that we're here right now, right? We do know as people say that we're here for such a time as this, right? And we are. Even though I said that with drama, we are here for such a time as this. And, and, and we're here to have impact. We're here to subdue. We're still here to exercise dominion. We're still here to do those things that the first Adam was supposed to do because the second Adam came. And so let us do that wholeheartedly in light of what Christ has accomplished. And if someone doesn't know Christ, just know, uh, first of all, like you being here is just great for you to be reminded that he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. You may not understand everything about him, but if you understand that he was God's son, if you understand that God sent him out of love for you, out of love for us, to, that he sent him to die on the cross and that he offers, I didn't read this, but I'll, but I'll, but I'll read it at the end of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5. I was supposed to read verse 21, which talks about how God... Um, Verse 20 talked about how we are ambassadors. God makes his appeal through us. And then Paul's imploring people to, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. But then it says, uh, 21, that for our sake, he made him, God made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin. That in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Christ offers the exchange of the life, the perfect life he lived, for the life that you may be living right now so that you can become the righteousness of God. That's a positional righteousness that eventually works itself out in practical ways, so you're growing in righteousness. But positionally speaking, once you're in Christ, you're, you're just part of the righteousness of God from the time you believe. So if that's you, if you believe in Christ, if you want to receive all that righteousness of God from him, Please just do this. Just before God, acknowledge who God is, acknowledge who Christ is, and let him know that you want to take him up on this, this invitation, um, this invitation to become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus because he took on sin, though he knew no sin. He didn't participate in it. He took it on so that he could extend the offer of righteousness to you. He didn't deserve to die because he didn't sin. He didn't deserve to die. You don't deserve his righteousness. Don't worry, I don't deserve it either. So, so I'm not saying it to say anything negative about you. I'm saying it to highlight this is what he offers to you. Though you don't deserve it, though there's no way we can earn it, he's extending it as a gift. 
and he understands that you need to grow. So you don't, you get that position, but we understand you might go out here and do something that you shouldn't do. But you just keep coming to church and we'll pray for you, we'll help you figure out what the things you're supposed to do and we'll watch God work. Father, thank you so much that you do not ever stop working, that you don't sleep or slumber, you never get tired. Thank you that you don't get tired of your people. Thank you that despite the fact that we aren't righteous in the sense of our works are right to look at all the time when we come to you, thank you that we receive the righteousness of Christ. And so if we were before your throne and were accused by the enemy, our blemishes will be covered by his righteousness, Christ's righteousness. Father, I pray that you will please uh, draw to yourself, and I do pray also as well, that you will please help Solid Rock Church to be a community that is uh, about your business, Lord, about your business toward one another, about your business toward others, Lord. Help us to have the type of hospitality, the type of patience, uh, the type of endurance, Lord, um, to win people to you, Lord, to be involved as long as necessary so that not only will people come to know you, but that they will mature in you and that they would make disciples as well. Father, we ask you that you would help us. Lord, this can be a difficult time for that type of action, but Lord, we know, as stated just moments ago, that we are here for such a time as this, and you have not left yourself without witness because the church is still here. So we thank you that there's still reconciliation to be offered and there's still because there's still reconciliation to be had. Father, we ask you that you would Help us to embrace these realities. We ask you that you would help us to not be weary in well-doing. We ask you that you would help us to remember Christ, who was not weary, even though he prayed his prayer in the garden. But ultimately, he did say, not my will, but your will be done. So grow us in the ways in which we need to be grown, Lord, to embody being commissioned and embody being part of this community. It's in Jesus' name I ask you this, and I thank you. Amen. Amen. So um, as um, it looks like there might be a question or two, um, if um, you need to get your communion cup, please go ahead and do that now. And we just have one question. Um, in Ephesians verse 21, it says, In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Uh, that being put together, uh, how can we join in the Lord as he is putting together this church? Well, I think, uh, thank you for the question. I think we um, <clears throat> participate with the Lord by being proactive, um, that we aren't just uh, sidelines, we're not just observing, but that we're actually participating, um, that we, <laughs> wow. That's a really layered question, actually, when I'm thinking more about it. Um, so, so let's take something like, I'm, 
I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way because I haven't seen a lot of people like falling asleep or whatever. I haven't seen that today. But let's take falling asleep. Because that happens in, in church, right? Um, that happens like everywhere. When I was in the military, that used to happen. And they understood that it would happen. So one thing they would be like was go, go stand up or go put some cold water on your face. They would. So sometimes, you know, people could, you know, fall asleep because, like, they feel like the sermon's boring. That part, you can't. That, that might happen. But if you fall asleep because you stayed up late, and you do that consistently, then one way you can participate in what the Lord is doing is like go to bed, like set a bedtime. Like that's a real practical, right? Don't be out till three o'clock and don't, you know, don't go to the last showing of, of Creed three or whatever. Don't, don't, don't do that, right? Don't, don't do that. Just like go at an earlier time. Um, that's something you could do. So, so there's some practical things you can do. You could, you could actually pray for like our gathering, that's something else you can do. You can read your Bible consistently. That's not just about you. You're good. Like, like this is the thing. This is thing. One thing I had to deal with. Like, okay, in terms of like, in terms of many things that's in the Bible, it's like, okay, I don't need to read the Bible to find out what to do. Um, I, I I know what I should be doing, um, but I need to be. I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, not to do anything for me necessarily, but to be used by God. So Paul told Timothy that he was the priest of word. In season and out. In season and out. So apparently there's an out of season. But if he's telling them to do it in season and out, then there's not really an out. There's not really a season that's out, right? He's just supposed to be ready, right? So I think one way we can participate is by seeing if we're ready to minister to people. Are we prepared? Whether something happens or not, am I ready? Right? So, so it's, like, it's like the passage that talks about like being at peace with all people. Right? It says, as much as it lies within you, be at peace. Right? So there's some things you can't affect. So you can't affect whether or not somebody needs to be ministered to, but you can affect whether or not you're ready to minister to others. So, so that's a way you, you can participate by making sure you're ready, making sure you've read your Bible, making sure you're praying, making sure you're looking at people, making sure you speak to people. Those are ways we can participate. Making sure if somebody says something even a little, hey, is there any way I can pray for you? You know, you can, so you can ask proactive questions. You can do proactive things like just, I don't know you. How you doing? My name is Mike. I'm is this your first time? No, this is my fifth. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just getting to you. But um, I have to do that all the time. I do. Oh, and sometimes I even have to ask people their name again, even though I met them because I haven't seen them in a while. So I'm not just, I'm probably not at this point, I'm not going to just hold names. See, I got John's name wrong, and I just saw him yesterday. And he had the mic. And I said, Ken, right? And it's like, no, no, John. So. But, but I don't care. I, don't, I, don't, I do not care. Because I'd much rather a person feel welcome than care about whether or not I forgot their name. Because they'll probably care more about that and me taking the pains to get their name right than if no one greeted them. I mean, it, well, they'll care about it, but they may not come back, right? So I think we can, the, the one word, how can we 
how can we participate? Let's be proactive. That's another way of saying be grown and own. Like this isn't, this isn't just something for the pastors to do, whatever this is, right? Whatever this is. It's not something that just the pastors do. There are some things that just the pastors do, but you know what I'm talking about. So it's being ready. It's having a mindset that is outwardly focused, that is taking care of the inward enough to be able to be outwardly focused and to be able to speak a word to someone, pray for someone, just encourage someone, just greet someone, regardless of whether they're looking for it or not. Because really, as I stated, there's no out of season. It's always in season. Because the season of reconciliation is not forever. And we're here now to have impact so that less people have to face retribution from the Lord for their actions and for not believing in Christ. All right, well, that was, that was it. We mentioned that Jesus Christ, what he offers to folks, that he, that God made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God. So, Father, we thank you for that, and we thank you for this opportunity to commemorate what Jesus has done for us by taking the wafer, which represents his body, which was broken for us, and eating it. So we take the wafer and we eat it, knowing that it represents the body of Christ broken for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And now we take the juice, which represents his blood, which was shed for the remission of our sins, and we drink it. Father, thank you for the transformation that is available to us and that many of us have accessed in and through Jesus. We do ask you that you will please be with us this week. We pray that you would use us for your glory. We pray that your kingdom would advance. We pray that you would build Solid Rock Church together. We pray for people that we've been witnessing to that need to know you, people we've, that we've had on our hearts that we've been praying for. We ask you that you would bring the day of salvation to them quickly. Lord, we thank you for involving us. We thank you for allowing us to be co-laborers with you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you, Father. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, and have a wonderful one. Please pray for Pastor Kurt. They're away on a uh, week-long vacation, so pray that they be refreshed. And thank you guys for being an attentive audience.